consider the evolutionary track taken by the Book Industry Study Group. Founded in 1975 by the Book Manufacturers Institute, BISG has endured a tsunami of change in publishing over three decades. Welcome to Copyright Clearance and his podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. In 2016, a much different place from the days before e-commerce and smartphones, BISG has emerged into a digital world. To continue to survive, the organization must shake off impressions that it may be a kind of living fossil. With a new leader and plans for a new focus, the coelacanth epithet may not be fitting. Andrew Alpanese, Publishers Weekly senior writer, attended the group annual members meeting and has plenty of impressions to share. Welcome back to Beyond the Book, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. So, Andrew, we will get to uh, the goings-on at the BISG in just a moment. But first, Amazon is in the news this week, and a report suggests that it's going to seek to settle an ebook antitrust claim in the EU. And anyone expecting any kind of similar antitrust scrutiny in the U.S. shouldn't hold their breath. Tell us why. Uh, indeed. And, and let's start with Amazon in the EU, where a Reuters report, as you know, suggested this week that Amazon is actually talking to European Union antitrust regulators about settling a year-long investigation into its ebook dealing with publishers. Now, according to the Reuters report, a person familiar with the matter is quoted as saying that uh, a settlement uh, may be happening, though it will not involve any cash payments. Now, Amazon officials, for their part, have declined to comment. I know that will shock our listeners that Amazon's not commenting here. But we do know that EU investigators last June announced that it was going to look at whether certain clauses in Amazon's contracts with publishers concerning ebooks constituted a breach of EU antitrust rules. And those clauses uh, that were called out in the press release anyway from the EU uh, were generally regarding what we know as most favored nations clauses here. Uh, and they regarded whether or not Amazon had the right to be sort of notified of its competitors' deals with the, the publishers and whether or not Amazon would be given the automatic right to match or given the price that another competitor might be given. Uh, those are pretty common things in the U.S. and most favored nations clauses is not an uncommon thing, but I don't know uh, what that really means for EU antitrust. I'm not terribly well versed in European antitrust, so it's hard for me to comment or to say whether or not Amazon is violating those rules. But I will add that Amazon has not had that much bite in Europe, certainly not the bite that it's had in the U.S. when it comes to the ebook market, primarily owing to things like fixed prices for books. Uh, so I'm not sure how much a settlement is really going to impact Amazon in Europe, where they're already battling under pretty tight regulatory restrictions. Right. And, and you know, we will get a chance to see all of that up close. You and I will be at the uh, Frankfurt Book Fair in about 10 days' time. So we'll watch it from there and perhaps report on any uh, late-breaking developments. But as your report uh, suggests, um, uh, groups like the Authors Guild and Douglas Preston's uh, Authors United aren't going to find uh, terribly much solace in any of this. Uh, the impact uh, here in the U.S. is going to be negligible. Absolutely. And you know, you're right. And our listeners will recall that Douglas Preston and the Authors Guild, uh, Authors United, his group as well. Uh, over the last few years, they've, they've pushed the U.S. Department of Justice to investigate Amazon for potential antitrust issues. Uh, indeed, in, in January of this year, there was an event in Washington, D.C., and Authors Guild Executive Director Mary Rasenberg uh, told the crowd there that a meeting with DJ officials, DOJ officials, excuse me, uh, went very well. And, you know, we've been hearing about this now for, for 
for the better part of two years. But the fact is, uh, well, not so much. Uh, DOJ officials actually confirmed for me uh, this week that there is no investigation of Amazon pending for antitrust and that there has been no formal investigation of Amazon. This following uh, letters and a signature campaign and, and a couple of meetings now pleading for some uh, look-see into whether or not Amazon is breaking antitrust. Uh, you, know, you can read more about this in the coming days on the PW website, where I'm actually going to have a report on this. But suffice it to say, while it makes for good headlines, it appears that Authors United's efforts and the Authors Guild's efforts have fallen on deaf ears among regulators, at least so far. Uh, indeed. And uh, moving on, uh, Brian O'Leary, whom we both uh, know well, has officially taken the helm of the Book Industry Study Group. And you were there, as we said, at the group's annual members meeting uh, just last week. And uh, that was where Brian spoke for the first time to uh, his his new audience, to his uh, new members. And um, we've talked a lot about BISG over time and a uh, pretty crucial time for them and a pretty crucial meeting for Brian. Uh, yes, absolutely. And you can read my recap of Brian O'Leary's talk on the PW website now. It's up there. But, you know, the, the consensus at the meeting was that, yeah, it was a tough year for BISG, but still a productive one. And in O'Leary's 15-minute talk, you could see almost feel like this calm settle over members. Uh, he laid out a very concrete vision for where BISG is heading, and he certainly impressed upon members that he is capable of leading the group. So where is he going to lead BISG to? Well, first of all, he he previewed a strategic plan that the BISG board has put together and approved, and that's going to be out sometime in the coming days. And O'Leary said that it was actually the coherence and credibility of that strategic plan that really convinced him to take the job. He called the plan a set of initiatives that members can take to the bank uh, and said that the plan's broad strokes are all member-facing, measurable, and to quote him directly, pretty darn doable. And I'll just cut to the chase here. There's more details in my report on the PW website and also in an article that my boss Jim Milliot did uh, with Brian O'Leary about that strategic plan. But Brian O'Leary said that you know he is really committed to refocusing BISG on the fundamentals. And, and that means it's work mostly with standards and sort of the nitty-gritty business of, as he said, creating a more informed, powerful, and efficient book industry supply chain. Now, on past podcasts here, most recent podcasts here, in fact, I've talked about some of the research challenges that I think face BISG. And you know that's certainly you know, I think remains, you know, an important part. I, I think that they do face some hurdles when it comes to research. But Brian O'Leary really stressed that, you know, research, while a hallmark of what BISG has become known for over the of the last couple decades is really not going to be his immediate focus. He said he hopes to get back into the research stuff at some point, and he would love to undertake reports that sort of help the publishing industry understand where things are going. But he stressed that his commitment right now is to delivering value to BISG members. And that means standards work and work on membership and getting the organization sorted out. And it was pretty clear to me in talking with members that those priorities were music to their ears and that there was a really good feeling among the group that they now have a solid leader and a solid plan going forward. Well, you know, certainly one of the things they might want to tackle is that name of theirs. If you're right about the studies being less important, maybe that S, we can substitute standards or supply chain or something like that to, to make it work uh, in the next decade. And finally, this week, we learned the finalists for the National Book Award. 
always good to close out a podcast by pointing out some great books. Uh, I'm not going to run through the whole list here, but you're right. And you can read the entire list on the PW site, which are also hyperlinked to the reviews from Publishers Weekly, as well as any number of Q&As and features about the various authors that are nominated. Uh, there's some great books on the list, of course. Uh, Colson Whitehead, uh, The Underground Railroad uh, in Fiction, which I know is, is, is a very popular book right now. And uh, I'll say this. I hope Vietthon Nguyen owns his tux. Uh, last year, he won a Pulitzer Prize and a Carnegie Medal for his novel, The Sympathizer. And this year, he's nominated for an MBA in nonfiction for Nothing Ever Dies, Vietnam and the Memory of War, published by Harvard University Press. So he's really turning out to be a truly special talent uh, and somebody who I think would be pretty remarkable to see uh, winning major book prizes for fiction and nonfiction in back-to-back years. That would be quite a feat. So congratulations to all the nominees, and you can check them out on the PW website uh, right now. Indeed, we will do that, and we will thank Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, for joining us today as he does every Friday from New York City. Andrew, have a great weekend. My pleasure, as always. And coming up on the next episode of Beyond the Book, communities and conversations naturally form around digital journalism. Mostly, though, they are confined to comment sections on news sites. Jane Friedhoff is a game designer, creative researcher, and experimental programmer who tells me about a special project she worked on while on the staff of the New York Times R&D Lab. It was called The Membrane Project, and it looks at a new way to establish community and conversation. It's a way of thinking about technology that tries to project more into the future, how technology will be used, what ramifications it has, how it affects people, not just how it works today. And I feel like that's a critical thing is sort of working not just at the margins of the technology where it's new or strange or broken or interesting, but also working at the margins of time, right? So trying to project out from today to tomorrow to next year to 10 years from now to 100 years from now. And that's Jane Friedhoff coming up next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center with its subsidiaries Rights Direct in the Netherlands and Ixis in the United Kingdom. CCC is a global leader in content workflow, document delivery, text and data mining, and rights licensing technology. You can follow Beyond the Book on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to the free podcast series on iTunes or at our website, beyondthebook.com. Our engineer and co-producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. Thank you.